Habena! Brian Habena kicks. Penalty. Uh, Israel will go for 10 minutes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. The show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. It's me, Rugby Reg, and I'm here again. And joining me not is not Matt Rowley tonight. He's having a, a break uh, from all things green and gold. But we do have Hugh Cavill. How are you going, Hugh? I'm okay, I'm okay Reg. Been a been a big week locally with 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 the AFL final and the NRL final. Both both I thought were great games, and the Wallabies kind of slipped in slipped in between that. But also a lot of great NRC NRC rugby as well. A couple of <laughs> couple of boil overs. Plenty plenty to talk about. Yeah, thank God for the NRC just dulling the the the, the disappointment that is the Wallabies. Uh, we should also introduce uh, standing in for Matt this week is Rob Mitchell Bobus. Normally uh, in the booth, we'll let you out tonight. You're you're free to reign. Yeah, man, I'm I'm doing okay, not too well. I mean, well, with the Wallabies, I, I actually stayed up to watch them on the um, on the Saturday night or the Sunday morning or whatever you call it, and uh, completely ruined me to adapt to daylight savings, which was the exact opposite of um, when we actually beat England to knock them out of the World Cup this year, where they actually um, got me well and truly adapted to daylight savings right quickly. This time was completely the other way around. Yeah, yeah, and I forgot about that whole daylight savings things. Uh, suckers down there uh, losing your hours. But uh, look, let's get into it, guys. We've got five burning questions to talk to this week, and, and these are the five we'll talk about, and we'll, we'll get stuck into them after that. So, first question is quite simply, what went wrong in Pretoria? Next question is, what do we do with Izzy? What's happening with Izzy for Lau? Uh After that, we're playing in Twickenham this week, playing against Argentina in London. Are these impartial venues uh, a, a good option or a bad option? Question four, is it time to mix things up in that last test, the last test of the rugby championship? And question five, hot on the heels of those NRC upsets we talked about. Uh, I want to know your favourite upset all time ever in rugby. So we'll, we'll get into that and talk a bit more about the NRC as well. So first question is quite simply, we uh, had our chances over there in Pretoria. It was the test we were going to beat uh, the hoodoo. Haven't been one there ever. Um, what went wrong, Hugh? Where, where do you lay the blame for? Well, look, it, it, it's it's funny, Reg. I mean, it was a pretty uninspiring sort of test. The first half was okay, but the second half was uh, was pretty dark, considering um, we we couldn't register a, register a score at all. <laughs> and we sat here this time last week, Reg, and said, you know, what was the thing that we needed to work on most? And I said physicality, and you said um, converting we'll our chances. And I think that was exactly. I think we yep. were we were both proven in, uh, as 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 always we were proven correct, um, and uh, that was the thing for me that physicality just wasn't there, especially in that second half where you thought you know the tiredness and the and the Springboks might start slipping off tackles. Actually, we just couldn't get any yards around the ruck, and we just kept getting hit you know hit behind the gain line and just had no momentum, couldn't get our backs in space, and 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 it sort of all went downhill from there. We we probably should have won the next. We had so much ball, so much territory. We had those options, and you know we kept the box, um, you know, trialless. So our defence was pretty sound. It was just those those little things, and 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 that that uh, physicality was the one for me. Where yeah, to beat the Springboks, I said it last week. You've got to muscle up. You've got to get over them. And unfortunately, those guys like Warren Whiteley and even Etzbeth and Francois Lowe and Adrian Strauss as well, who had a great game. That, that was just great. all over us at, at, at every opportunity, and and. It um it it sapped our momentum and we just couldn't find that space. So look, I don't think you know. Look, it wasn't a horrible performance. You know, South Africa at 
altitude's always a tough task. But geez, you think again? That was one we we probably had in our hands, and and that you know that tight five physicality, and you know the injury to Sean McMahon didn't help us because he was probably our best in the first half, to my eyes anyway. And um, yeah, look, I don't know. It was another one of those games, another one of those ones where you just can't you can't quite put your finger on it. But um, yeah, that that uh, that forward element just wasn't there for me. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's as close as we've come in Pretoria at altitude there. And I don't think fitness was a factor. I don't think we blew up there. It didn't look like we were, we were gasping. And it's hard to know the players themselves would have to comment on that. Um, it, we're, just, we're just wayward. I mean, I, like you said, I think we looked good in that first half. And particularly that try to Scotty Seo, I thought the offloading and the continuity there, the support play was sensational. And I thought, well, you know, that was as good as skills we've seen from this Wallaby team this year. And it was it's beautiful to see the front rowers uh, combine there at the end and Seo go over. Um, and I had that confidence, but then, oh, God, you know, then Mornay Stain just started to chip away at that, that lead and we, we never regained it, not a single point in that second half. So, uh, Bobby, so I've got to get to you in a sec, but I'll, I'll keep going on this because, yeah, mine was, as you said, Hugh, is our ability to finish or, or to the support play I thought was really lacking. And a couple of times I remember, and, and there's two factors to support play. One is the clear break. So, one, you know, we, we saw Dane Halepelli make a great break from, uh, I think it was a Mornstein uh, chip kick. And we saw Quay uh, get his way through as well. Um, but nothing came out of these breaks. I mean, and, and you see that all-black Argentina game. And any half-break the all-blacks make, they've, guys got, they've got support players up the wazoo who know where to position themselves. They know the ball carrier can throw the pass. He knows he's going to have someone there to support him. And, and we don't have that at the moment. So, so support play, you know, completely lacking when we make a break. And I don't know why it is, what it, why we can't get ourselves in the, that right position. Um, the two was more support play just in the hit-ups because I thought our forwards let us down in the in the the, the metres territory. We, we weren't making too strong runs. And, and again, like you say, Hugh, maybe it was McMahon. You know, once he got off, we lost one of our key ball runners. But there were times, that, you know, there was that time in the second half towards the end when Hooper got penalised. He got isolated and penalised because he made a bit of a break and he didn't have anyone there right up his bum to, to clear out and support him. And, and again, it was just lazy support play and it was just it was just so frustrating to see what you know that was our best chance to win in Pretoria we got so close it would have been an iconic victory for us and and we couldn't do it and and you know it, for all intents and purposes we should have it was it was an average Bok team with some good performances but we, we couldn't get there um Rob what about you mate what's what's your thoughts I mean, mine, mine comes off both yours the physicality and the support because um we were we were rucking rubbish in that game we had uh, one steal from McMahon, who went off after the first half, and the other steal was from Hooper in the same half. So the second half, we didn't make any kind of ruck, ruck steals in terms of um, defensive rucks. On our attacking rucks, we were losing the ball. We lost eight, eight rucks in that game, whereas normally that's Australia's strength. Um, um, with the... Um, the, with the well, in terms of what we have now, is we've, we've got um, Hooper's the only player we can really play in that seven spot um, because we just don't have anyone left. We've got Pocock injured, McMahon injured, people overseas um, that aren't available. And um, we just don't, we just don't have any ruck, ruck involving backs coming in and clearing out properly. I know that's one of um, Foley's weaknesses. And um, I think um, when um, Simmons went off for the head knock, I think Douglas was brought on as a permanent substitution to kind of shore up that area. But it didn't really happen, and then the set piece went to um, 
went to uh, crap after that. So I think we were we were pretty terrible at the Rucks, and yes, we we could have won that game, and it was a, one of our best chances to get a win in in altitude in South Africa. But isn't it the thing, and, and I'll touch on a couple of things. I talk about the support play, Hugh, and it's one of the great things in the NRC is the offloading, and, and particularly sort of on the weekend, it's the, the offloading our players are doing in the NRC, which we don't see higher up, particularly with the Reds and, and more so for the Wallabies. But the other thing is the pilfer. The, the box had, you know, Strauss grabbed a couple, a couple Francois Lowe grabbed a couple, Warren Whiteley grabbed a couple. Across the board, they, they they can get these pilfers, and we don't see it with the Wallabies. Like you say, Rob, we're relying on Pocock to do it or Hooper to do it, and, and, and no one else is doing it. And again, I hark back to the NRC, because you've got props. Patoa Paraka and David Laloia from the Rams, um, Paraka from Brisbane City, are snagging pilfers like they're Liam Gill. I don't know why... Um, why the gap? Why we not? We can't do it at the test match level. But there's a, there are, there's a huge gap. There are a couple of players that come to mind in terms of their ruck involvements. I know definitely for the Brumbies, Spate and Kuradrani are very, very strong over the ball, and that was one of the things I think that Spate never got into his sevens game was that ability to make a tackle quickly, get to his feet, and take the ball, which you can do in Super Rugby. And Kuradrani is is similar. Yeah, indeed. Hugh, uh, what about um, that box home, though? I mean, there were some great performances. Andre Strauss, or Adrian Strauss, who I had written off after the last t- test, came back, uh, I think his last test on home soil, or at least Pretoria, was, was fantastic. Yeah, we, I spoke about it after the Brisbane test. I think all, all three of us did about how, you know, this box team's been searching for its identity. And they played us in Brisbane, you know, with the Yanchies and Faf de Klerk and tried to play this fast, expansive game that just played right into our hands. And this was the game they got back to basics with Mornay Stain putting up the up and unders, kicking his goals, um, and those big forwards that really stepped up. And, and when they play that sort of game, it's very similar to what England did to us. You know, they don't have the quite the flair that England do and the skill, but they, you know they've got that physicality there and that strong set piece. And of course, the lineout was was good for them, and the scrum was too, especially in that second half. So they got back to what what Springbok rugby you know has always been about, and and we always struggle to deal with that, especially if it's at altitude. And and uh, I don't know. Look, you said it, Reg. This was a missed opportunity for us. I don't think they are a good team, the Springboks. I don't think they'll. No. I mean. Watching them against the All Blacks this weekend is going to be really interesting because yeah, the All Blacks yeah. have swept through every single team in this rugby championship, won every game by 30. Um, and I, I, this is always their biggest challenge, playing away in South Africa. But I can, I can see no evidence that the box are going to challenge them at all because, I mean, they, they, were, they, were, they had some moments against us, but broadly speaking, you know, they weren't too inspired. And, and it was just a really good defensive effort that, that managed to keep us out. So... Yeah, look, they're, they're, they're probably in a very similar place to where we are at the moment, the Springboks. Just kind of searching for exactly a, an identity and, a, you know, waiting for it all, all to come together and, and wondering if, if they've got it right. But, um, you know, I think I'd rather be where we are than where they are at the moment, put it that way. Because, um, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was still a pretty patchy performance for them, I thought. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. All right, let's let's move on to question two. And question two is is about Izzy Flower. What do we do with him? There's some. Is it a concern? Or people on the forum are jumping up and down. He's got to go. He's got to move. What do we do, Bobus? What's your thoughts, mate? Is it a is he keeping where he is or time to change? I mean, I said it on the um the Green and Gold Rugby website in the ratings this week. I really think he needs to get his form back on the wing. 
I think he's he's too good of a player. He's got too good of uh, a skill set in terms of catching ability and busting tackles to drop out of the team altogether. But he's just completely out of form. And in fullback, when you're out of form, you just concede territory. You make errors. You you have too much time to think, and you just. I just think he needs to get 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 himself back on the wing where he made his debut um, back in. 2013, I think he scored a double against the British and Irish Lions. Absolute rip-snorter of a debut. I just think get back out there, get a bit more comfortable, get put into a bit of space rather than have to run into your own space, and then just get a couple of tries under your belt and he'll be he'll be good as new and back and firing. Because it, it doesn't look like he, in the World Cup last year, he was very quiet because he was injured. It doesn't look like he's, got, he's carrying any niggles. Um, this time round, it just looks like he's completely out of ideas, and he's second guessing every decision he makes as he runs into um, runs into contact, which you don't want someone to do because they lose all their timing, they lose all their tackle busting ability, they lose all their turn of space, uh, sorry, turn of pace into um, the contact zone. What about you, Hugh? Are we overstating this, or you think we need to make some changes? Oh, look, a little bit. I, I think I don't think Israel Falah played that badly. Um, I don't think he's at his best, and he hasn't been for a while, and, and maybe a little bit of a circuit breaker and a change might be good for him. I thought that yellow card was a little bit unlucky. It's 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 just, as we saw with Quade Cooper, um, as much as we need to bring up the Quade Cooper yellow card sagas again, um, when when Brian Habana is steaming towards you, and you are running towards him, yeah. and your instinct is to stop him, when he puts up a chip and chase like that, you have to then turn off that instinct in your brain that says tackle Brian Habana and then somehow get out of his way. You know, not, not only you not tackle him, you've got to get out of his way. And Falau, you know, what you end up doing more often than not is this sort of half, you know, step into their line but don't kind of do anything. And it ends up almost being the worst. You, you're almost better just to stay where you are or keep moving forward and make contact with them. And in the end, he tried to get out of the way, but he kind of didn't. And he, I look, I think it was a bit of a harsh yellow card, to be honest. Um, in a game where I think actually we probably had the the rub of the green broadly with a refereeing, but um, that that was a bit harsh, and, and I always feel for players in that circumstance because I don't think there's a huge amount you can do um, to, to get out of the way there. Um, yeah, look, I think that the spanner in the works is the form of Dane Hale at Petty, and, and coming mm. off you know a couple of um, games against New Zealand where we thought he was he was found out defensively, boy hasn't he hasn't he come back with a vengeance, and and he was sensational against the Springboks, and. And um, you know, I, I, maybe maybe you know, a move to fullback is um, is on the cards. But to be honest, in in a, in a position like fullback, in the way Wallabies are playing at the moment, the number on your back doesn't mean a huge amount. Um, you know, Haylett Petty's spending a lot of time at fullback as is. He's, he's mm. hitting close to the ruck. He's you know, and and Falau's playing a bit in the centres. He's playing a bit on the wing. So, you know, if uh, you know, ha- having a having a change of position, I'm, I'm not sure if it's um, going to make a huge difference. Short of maybe moving Flauta outside centre, but you know, Samu Karevi's been playing really well as well. So it's it is a bit of a dilemma. But um, I, I think you know, I think I'd expect to see him there for for the next couple of tests anyway. I don't think his form's as bad as some people suggest, and and um, you know, he's still so assured under that high ball. He's still got that that physicality and 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 I, look I hope he can play his way out of form because um yeah look, we, we know he's a better player than how he's playing at the moment and, it, and it's a bit of a shame to see him not 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 at his best but um but, but it wasn't yeah. that long ago it wasn't that long ago either I mean I look back at those green and gold rugby um 
play of the rounds, the play of the test points we give after every test on on the on the forum. And mate, in the English series, he was he was killing it. You know, he was he was one of our best. Yeah, he, he was great against too, but he, he was really good. So it wasn't that long ago. Um, he's probably. I thought he started. I thought he looked really good early. I thought he actually got really involved early, which I was really happy with. Slipped over a few times. Don't know what was going on with the boots, but. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a hard call. I, I don't like moving him because he is such a weapon back there. It, it's just it, maybe it is just a confidence thing, or, or I don't know what it is, but uh, it, it's not enough for him to to be relocated. I've got in my mind, Harlot Petty, like you say, I think you he is fantastic. What I like about Harlot Petty is he when he kicks, he kicks with space. You can see him; he's actually looking for the green. Um, he put a couple of kicks through on the test the other night where he, you know, he split the players. Whereas I don't think that's within. Falau's skill set. I think he um, he just kicks. Yeah, he just gets the ball and boots and hopes it sort of goes in the general direction of the sideline or something. Because uh, too often he finds a man. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, well, a tough, it's funny. Yeah. I was watching the Channel Ten coverage and Matt Burke. You know, Israel Falau. He's not a bad kicker. You know, he's he's no. serviceable, but he's he's never got to that high. And and he kicked one. You know, no pressure in the twenty two. He got it to about the halfway. It wasn't quite as good as he'd hoped for. And Matt Burke said something like, "Oh, you know, Israel Falau. He's still he's still picking up kicking. He's still he's still you know got to get better. He's still learning how to kick, or words to that effect." And you know, it's like he's been in rugby for what yeah. four years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not quite that. Maybe 2013. Three. He's you know, just, like I don't. I think he stopped learning how to kick. I don't, I don't think we can say anymore that he's in a. No. You know, he's still got to get better at kicking and learning. I mean, we're, this is what he is. He this is That's, his finished yeah. product. Yeah, he's very similar yeah. to Mitchell or Adam Ashley Cooper in in the fact that he's just he, that's that's as good as he's going to get. He's not going to get the big sixty meter hoof right on the pinpoint area and slide it into touch or anything like that. It's just going to be pretty good kick, and then that's about it. Sometimes he does a good high ball, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see what happens. So the, the next text the Wallabies play is uh, this weekend against the Argentines. And as we've we've mentioned before, it's not actually in Argentina. It's actually in London at Twickenham. Really got feel about this. And if you listen to the Egg Chasers podcast, I've mentioned in the past that there's not a lot of awareness of this out there, um, which brings to mind many questions. So the question is, is this a worthwhile venture, these, these neutral territory tests? Hugh, what's your thoughts? Oh, look. If it's a, if it's a, if it's one of our opposition suggesting a neutral ground, I'm all for it. Fantastic. Because yeah. <laughs> if it takes it takes your home advantage away, well then it just plays right into our hands. If the Wallabies ever did it, I'd be spewing. You know, it, it, there's no excuse to take. We we have so few tests and so few opportunities to get our local fans to see the Wallabies. Then I, I'd be, you know, I'd be absolutely ropeable. Um, you know, I'd be. I can't see a money pot big enough to get us to take a test away, you know, to take one to, you know, Hong Kong or Japan, I, you know, which we've done in the past with the Bledders yeah. lows. I'm not Hong sure whose Kong, decision yeah. that was, whether that was a sort of a joint thing with Sanzar. But look, I, I no, I'm, if, if I'm more than happy, in fact, I encourage all opposition to do it. I'd like to see a few New, Ze- <laughs> New Zealand take their Bledisloes offshore or anywhere, you know, play them in buddy Burkina Faso for all I care, <laughs> as long as it's not, you know, in the cauldron of, you know, and, and I think the Wallabies would be absolutely rubbing their palms together, going and playing Twickenham in front of a massive crowd of Aussie expats as opposed to Mendoza or Salter or somewhere like that with blokes shining lasers in your eyes. I've said it before. It's fantastic for us. So, look, yeah. It might fill up the the pockets of the Argentine Union, and and good luck to them if if if, if it does. But um, uh, 
I don't think I'd ever, you know, I'd ever see the day where I'd be applauding a Wallabies, uh, the ARU doing that. And to be honest, I don't think, I don't think it, it, it will happen. I think they were talking about, you know, making noises about taking things to America, but I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, in terms of uh, a Wallaby home rugby championship test, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever see it. It, it's a lot of questions got to be answered. I mean, I wonder how, how the whole Puma fans feel about this, Rob, and, and who markets this? You know, that's the question. I mean, the egg chasers are saying they're not seeing. Whose responsibility is this to promote it? Is this Sansa? Is it the Argentine Rugby Union? You know, is it? Uh, it's not the Rugby Football Union. You know, their home ground, Twickenham. It's not their responsibility to to, to promote the game. Who does this? It just feels like a bit of a void over there at the moment. I mean, it, it'd have to be the Argentinian, like, rugby union and Twickenham Stadium themselves, I would have thought. I mean, if they apparently, I read somewhere that 40,000 people were going to go, and I'm not sure what, how many Argentinians go to the games in Rosario or wherever they play over there. Um, but, um, you know, if that's going to give them some kind of financial boost, then, then so be it. But uh, I agree with... You entirely if we brought our games. I mean, I, I, I didn't mind the Bledisloes overseas because they were kind of extra Bledisloes um, and they weren't really the game-deciding ones. Um, but when they do become the game-deciding ones and not a dead rubber, I think that that's, that's going to be a huge letdown for, for rugby in general. Like, I mean, if we have a... If you've got the um, New Zealand teams, the England teams or South African teams deciding games in a neutral country... I think that's going to be that's going to be pretty shocking um, for Australian rugby if we move one of our games overseas. And until um, until we get, do we have actual cup against Argentina because we've got the Bledisloe and the Cook Cup and the Nelson Mandela play. Yeah, yeah, we do. It looks like the Tesla Trophy. I don't know what it's called. Oh, it really? Just, I yeah. wanted it to be the the Sanchez Sanchez Trophy. <laughs> that would be a good one. The Rodriguez. Yeah, they've already won. Well, I, I assume so. they got they, they got a water. It must be on a test by test basis because they had pictures of us holding it after the Perth test. So, oh, awesome! Um, yeah, unless we bring the decider from overseas into the neutral territory, I don't think. But a dead rubber, like, come on! If, if it's going to boost the Argentinian, Argentinian is on the up and up in terms of their ranking, I suppose, and their ability to make upsets and beat teams. So, I think but, it's 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 positive, put, but I mean, putting I aside that happened to the Wallabies. Yeah, putting aside the positives for us, you know, and it is no doubt, surely Argentina were admitted into the rugby championship on their ability to host home tests. Why are they taking this test over the seas? And I know the answer. I know the answer is money, obviously. But but why aren't why what's changed in the last couple of years that all of a sudden a home test for them isn't viable? That they have to take it, uh, you know, have to take it overseas. Is that a concern for us? Is that a concern for world rugby? Um, you know. The, uh, and who's shelling out the money? I, I, I don't, because Twickenham's owned by the Rugby Football Union, isn't it? By England Rugby. So are, are they paying to get them over there? It's just, it's just a bizarre one. I don't understand the machinations behind it. Maybe that'll answer a few questions. But to me, it sucks. You know, I, I think it's terrible. I think, albeit we, you know, we would be playing a much tougher encounter if we were playing over in, um, in some of those places you mentioned, Hugh. But that's what the rugby championship's about. It's got to be. That's why Argentina it is, isn't it? It's to develop the game in Argentina and to to you know showcase the the, the full experience of rugby and to be playing it in Twickenham just just reeks of blast to I me. Mean, I don't don't like it at all. Plus, what about an eight o'clock kickoff? You know, I mean, I, I... 
how good was the eight o'clock kickoff for the All Blacks Argentina game on the weekend? Just get up casually on a Sunday morning and and switch on the TV in front of your bacon and eggs, and and there the, the rugby on. Now we've got to get up bloody at eleven o'clock at nine again. Well, you say blah, Reg. That's interesting. I mean, I think this whole rugby championship's been a bit like that. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. The, the, the game last night. I mean, it was the the South Africa game. I, to be honest, I I um my recording, I, I've you know recorded it, and for whatever reason. I don't have Fox, so I did it through free-to-air. And, and Daylight Saving kind of must have muddled yeah. up the recording and it cut in the, uh, with about seven minutes gone. And previous to that, I probably would have stopped and gone back and tried to find a recording from the start. I didn't. I watched it from there. And then when, when the game finished, I kind of didn't even want to go back and watch the first half. I did just before this podcast. But, it, you know, I, I felt so... I don't know. No emotion even after that loss. It, it, it's so, uh, you know, I don't know. I've just kind of lost it. And that was why going to the NRC, watching a bit of NRC was great. Something about it, the Wallabies at the moment, something about the rugby championship with the All Blacks beating everyone by 40. I don't know. It, it, it's, I, I don't think I can remember being so lethargic about, about the national team. I, it's got to be concerning, especially when, you know, watching AFL and NRL this weekend have two cracking cracking grand finals um which I, I was on the edge of my seat for both of I, I i freely admit i love all sports really and 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 then to go and watch the wallabies after that i don't know it just seemed like a bit of a letdown i don't know yeah no i agree there's something there's something amiss with that wallaby team that they're not um they're not playing with any sort of style or, or engagement there and i i, I don't know that's a that's a no, another whole topic and probably a topic uh, that we've discussed in, in some capacity a few times already so l- let's move on and see if there is anything so this is our last game of the rugby championship we're playing argentina i, I don't even know what the ladder sits at the moment we were in second maybe south africa's pushing that now is this a chance to try a few things from a test selection perspective. McMahon's going to be out, so there's going to be a change there. We're going to have to have a new number eight. But should we be looking further afield um, in terms of our changes uh, for this Wallaby test, Rob? Would you like to see a, a bit more uh, uh, trialling in this game? Oh, certainly. I think um, some of the younger and less tried players from the squad should get a run. I think um, even though I think Kepu's probably our most important player to start. I think Alan Alatoa should start ahead of him just to get some experience up um, and have Kepu on the bench, obviously, if things go sour. Um, I think Hansen should start because Moore needs a rest. Um, I think um, Arnold and Coleman should be tried. I know we've had about a million lock combinations, but those guys have never started together. Um, the Twin Towers in there in the locks. I think um, Fardy might need a start in number six. I don't know if anyone else out there agrees with me with that. Um, Hooper, I think, is completely irreplaceable at the moment. Obviously, he's there. I, I would put Tamani in um, number eight. Um, just, I think it would be pretty ridiculous to bring someone else from out of the Wallaby squad and then slot them in as a start in front of someone that's been training the whole time there and and's had to go off the bench and then been left out of the team. I think that that would be pretty, um, pretty gut wrenching if you were the player there and you're ready to go. You think, okay, that guy's got injured. It's me. It's my turn. I'm I'm ready to go and get up there. I'd still keep the um, Ganier and Cooper combination. And um, with number twelve, I've got a couple of options. I think um, I think you bring Foley onto the bench because he covers a couple of positions and he is quite a solid player. And um, 
I think you either start with Godwin there or you go the um, Bob Dwyer and, and try Kuradrani in number 12 for a little bit of extra crash ball. Crash ball. And then I, I think Karevi, Karevi stays in that same position. And then you've got the back three of Spate, Dane Haler, Pelly, Petty and Falau. I think that's a bit harsh on Hodge, but I do think he covers a lot from the bench. And um, he has had a fair few starts recently, so he might be um, due for a bench position to see how he goes. But that's that's a whole 15 right there. Jeez, mate, that's just a couple of changes there then. <laughs> yeah, just a couple. <laughs> well, you Sweet. said you wanted, I wanted to try and put the youth and the less try players in. I was trying my best. No, mate, you did. You definitely fought a few players in there. What about you, Hugh? It's so drastic, or do you want to keep a little bit of momentum? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as drastic as Rob. I'm keeping the momentum. Um, I think um, our front row had their best game of the year. I think yeah. uh, I'd keep them together. I'd, I'd, I'd throw Rory Arnold into the second row. I think yep. he's – I want to see a bit more of what he – I like everything that he's done this year. Um, Dean Mums. <laughs> Even I can't sit here as, as generally Mr. Status Quo and, uh, and, and argue for Dean Mum. He's just been very ineffectual. The bench is probably his place, um, sadly, for him. And um, uh, and look, if Sean McMahon was there, I'd, I'd have him stay. In, and um, and uh, Lopetti Tamani come in. I think Lopetti's got to come in regardless. And, and I don't know who we play at six, but... Um, I'd be I'd be looking at at anyone. Scott Farty's probably the, the leading candidate to come in and and put Dean Mum back on the bench because uh, he's just struggled to make an impact of mine. Um, and yeah, the backs I'm I'm happy to leave as is. I, I think the 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 Cooper Foley ten twelve nexus is a bit of you know is a is a is a bit of a odds and ends thing, but it's kind of working. So I'm 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 willing to to keep them going and 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 give, give these guys, you know, Hale at Petty and Hodge and Karevi, especially give them another test, you know, just get that experience up and uh, get get them with some time on, time on the field because, um, you know, as, as the evidence of the test this season, they've just get, kept getting better and better. And um, so I, I'm happy to see them against against Argentina. So, yeah, a cu- couple of changes in the pack for mine, Reg, but um, nothing too drastic. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think we're all agreeing in terms of the number eight. I think Tamani must come in there. He's the next man in. And, you know, there's been talk about McCalman, um, who's played very well in the NRC, or even Leroy Houston, who's over in Bath. But from all reports, they're not going to they're not going to call in anyone from from Australia. So that rules out McCalman and also Kyle Godwin, as you mentioned, uh, Rob. But um, uh, but I'd put Tamani there. There's no point. He's give him the give him the opportunity and his size and a you know bit of athleticism might. Do us, uh, do us well versus Argentina. Um, I'm with you with Rory Arnold too. I was wrapped in his performance earlier this year, so would love to give him uh, another start there. And, and, and again, Simmons, uh, I haven't seen anything that would suggest he should be keeping his Wallaby spot, so uh, move him on. Uh, I'd love to have Fardy back in the team too. But the only other change I'd like to bring in, I'd, I'd like to see Navali come in. You know, I'd bring him straight in for Hodge on the wing there. Um, Hodges looked reasonable, um, but I think if you had Narvalu's pace there uh, on the wing and, and a, a little bit more spark, um, we could really create something out wide there, and, and that makes a, a pretty exciting back three for us um, with uh, Izzy and, and Dane Halapetti. So Narvalu, who's uh, made his debut in the weekend, and congratulations to him. But, yeah, he, he is one I'd like to see given a, a lot more chance, and I'd, I'd have him leapfrogging Henry Spite straight into the starting team. So um, we'll see what happens, hey? 
Um, as per usual, we won't know the squad top until Thursday, so we'll wait and see what that happens then. All right, let's uh, wrap up from the Wallabies and move on a little bit at NRC. But before we get in depth to NRC, there was a for those that saw it, there was two in particular fantastic upset matches on the weekend in the NRC, where uh, Queensland Country uh, upset the New South Wales Country Eagles up there in Toowoomba, which was a fantastic win, and then even probably more so. The uh, the West. Oh, no, it's not more cycles. It was bottom place versus top place, and an upset there. But the the Rams, the Western Sydney Rams, recorded their second win of the series season, and they beat Melbourne Rising and and smashed Melbourne Rising. And we'll get to those games in a second. But it it led us to this question: the biggest upset you've seen, or your favourite upset in rugby? Uh, Rob, have you got a thought on that one? Uh, one that particularly stands out in your mind? I think the um, when the the ACT Brumbies beat the British and Irish Lions in 2013, that was one of the biggest upsets that I've ever seen. You had um, 28 caps playing 550 caps, and 26 of those caps was Clyde Rathbone's, and um, it was just a it was very high quality. If it was a test match, it would have been a high quality test match. That's how um, how tight and how how much of an arm wrestle the game was. But I recently went through. Um, it's actually Matt Matt Rowley who's out tonight. Um, his ratings um, of the Brumbies team, and it's just amazing how many of those players have since then made their debut for the Wallabies. So you had um, Seal in the front row who played well. You have Sam Carter who's not in the squad currently, but has made his um, has got caps since then. Fardy and uh, Matt had made mention that it was one of his first games in um, blindside flanker because mostly for the Brumbies he'd been used in lock. Um, you had um, Kimlin, who managed to score a perfect 10 from Matt yeah, in that game. Yeah, he was awesome that game. I remember Absolute that. Absolutely incredible game, yeah. He, um, he's just, he was captain as well, and he was just yep. busting busting heads and, and taking no prisoners. Um, you had Tamua in number 10, who's unfortunately <laughs> unable to be selected because of frequent head knocks this year. I think it was his, his third concussion has ruled him out for the season. Um, yeah, Clyde Rathbone, like I said, with um, 93% of the Brumbies caps that game. Um, he had Kuradrani, who hadn't played yet for the Wallabies, who managed to score, I think, was the only try of the game and just um, busted through the winger and the fullback of the British and Irish Lions. And then you had um, Henry Spate, who had a pretty quiet game, actually, and he was incredible that year for the Brumbies. So it was a surprisingly quiet game for him. And Jesse Mogg, who um, had to take over the kicking duties because we, we we didn't have any of our Wallabies, and yeah, it was just a it was amazing it was amazing arm wrestling arm wrestle type game. Yeah, that's a crack. I remember that one well. The the Brumbies have always um, manned up, and back in two thousand and one, they went very close to winning as well. If it wasn't for a late Austin Healy try, they would have won. But that's a that's a great call. I didn't even think of that one. Um, good stuff, Rob. What about you, Hugh? One that stands out in your memory. Yeah, that was a good one from Rob. I, yeah. I've just been to racking my brains. There's a few. I mean, the the Japan Springboks one is a bit is a yeah. bit of the obvious one. Yeah. Uh, the 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 other one I the one I'll spring for if I want to be left field. The, the look the the obvious one is the, for me is the 2003 semi final the Wallabies against the All Blacks, which yep. which you know at the time no one gave the Wallabies any chance of winning that game, and and the fact that we did it and came out and did it in style was was. Probably the most satisfying from my end is an upset victory, and and um, that was great. The, the left field one, I remember. I think it was 2011. I think if I had to, 
if I had to guess, it might have even been a little bit earlier, um, 2010, where the, the Barbarians beat the All Blacks at Twickenham. And, yeah, um, okay. That was one of the best games I th- of rugby that I've seen in recent times. And, it, you know, it was one of those really good Barbarians teams, the, probably the last of the really good one. And I, I remember it had Brian Habana scored a few tries and Matt Gitto was playing 10 um, and Drew Mitchell was in there and George Smith was in there as well. Um, it was it, it was a true international standard Barbarian side. I think Jacques Ferry was playing 13. Um, and... Um, they, I think Quaid might have even played in that game as well. In that, oh no, it was Genia. Will Genia was playing nine, and it, it was just a fantastic game end to end as Barbarians do. And I, and I think they came away and won by sort of ten to twelve points at the end. And it, it, it um, yeah, yeah, good to see the All Blacks beaten and and um in in a bit of style. And and so that was probably my upset victory. That's a cracker. I love that one. I do remember that, and I think it must have been yeah, it was heavily South Africa. So I've got a feeling it was after. Mm, it might have been 2008. Now I think about it. Yeah, no, I was going to no, say I thought it was I thought it was quick, pretty quickly after the 2007 World Cup because they they based a lot on that South African team, um, and it, by the sound of it, a lot of that what would soon eventually be the Toulon team. Um, <laughs> yes. But um, I think it was when they still had those beautiful cotton jerseys. That yeah, they yeah, yeah. Weren't, they weren't quite skin tight yet. Um, all right, good stuff. My um, my guy, I was I had considered. The, uh, just going to this season when the Reds um, upset the Highlanders, the, the reigning champs, and um, I think the Highlanders were on top of the table, the Reds were at the bottom, and we got up 28-27, and it was a superb first half, but the, the frustrating thing about that is yet, you know, the next week we're terrible again, so I can't hold on to that too much. So the one I'll go back to is, is, is actually that 2007 World Cup, funnily enough, and I don't know if you remember it, but in the uh, Alpool we had uh, Canada, Fiji, and Japan, um, and Wales, sorry, and um, the Fijians beat Wales in that uh, in the last pool game of that of that uh, of that pool, thirty-eight, uh, thirty-four, and it was just fantastic running rugby by the Fijians. It was just one of those wonderful matches to watch, and I've still got it on DVD here, and I crack it out every now and again. I think I saw uh, World Rugby actually tweet about it the other day. It must have been an anniversary since that game, but it was just it was just a superb performance. And, you know, Fiji, when they play at their best, as we saw in the sevens at the Olympics, but in the 15s format, when they play at their best, they are just so good to watch, and, and, and this was an example of that game. And, you know, it might not be uh, a, a massive, you know, consideration when when the state of Wales sometimes, but it was still an upset in the scheme of things. And you look at resources and so on, but what it meant was that uh, Wales uh, ended up third in the pool and Fiji qualified second. So pretty significant from their perspective, but uh, a fantastic match to watch as well. Um, well, let's get into the NRC, Hugh. I know you're keen, and I think we, we've both sort of identified the NRC as a bit of a, um, a softener from the, the hard, harsh reality that is Wallaby Rugby at the moment. It's a, it really is great rugby. I'm digging it big time at the moment. Um, what do you want to get into first? you want to talk about the, the round in general or where we're going, or what's, what's your thoughts, mate? Oh well, it's the Sydney show continues, doesn't it, Reg? I no, mean, the, I mean, the country <laughs> just got edged out by Queensland country in um, what was another really good game. Um, but geez, the Rays, you know, I think country just got them when they went head to head. But can they can they be stopped? I think they're a bit of a juggernaut at the moment. That game against against um, oh, who was it? it wasn't uh, it was Canberra? That the was game against Canberra. Yeah. Scary. 
Yeah, really interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's – and I love – this This round has just thrown everything up in the air. Now, the Eagles obviously rested a few players, but they still had a really good side going up to Swinburne, and Queensland Country have been terrible. So great effort by Queensland Country to get up there. Um, and, you know, excellent efforts by the likes of Duncan Payer. got man of the match. I thought Isaac Rotto, the big lock, was fantastic. Just a young – I think he's only 20 years old uh, – was excellent. I actually think he outplayed Ned Hannigan in that game. Um, but some really good performances by Queensland Country. But you move to that Sydney Rays, and they just annihilated <laughs> Canberra. It's about this Canberra team too. I mean, uh, look, and again, they had they shuffled things up a little bit in their playing team, but they were never in it. The Rays just absolutely blitzed them, and it's just a continuation of this. I guess North did so well in the Shoot Shield, and uh, Coach uh, Simon Cron, and he's picked, picked some of his uh, players there, the James Brown and. Um, uh, uh, Ira Simone Angus and Angus Sinclair, who was fantastic. Uh, what about Josh Turner, the fullback? Where's he from? Because he caught my eye. He's a fantastic little player. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know Reds to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, he's he's another good one. And and Maddie, Maddie Lucas. I mean, let's let's give a shout out to him. Yeah. I mean, isn't he in great form? Just the he. A bloke who's got a great pass, great game management, can put blokes away. His defence is really underrated. He put a massive yeah. hit on this week that that had me shuddering as well. I mean, he's a, he's a tiny bloke. I mean, he is really small. But well, um, mate, he, and you called it too. I mean, how about the halfback depth for the Waratahs now? Yeah, well, Jake Gordon there is as is, is now. You know, I think him and Lucas are probably competing for Player of the NRC. Um, yep. you know, and and to think that they're going to be sitting on the bench behind Nick Phipps, or one of them is, and the other one's going to be, you know, somewhere up in the stands in his suit. It's it's um a bit of a sad situation, especially considering halfback doesn't have a huge rate of attrition, so it's not like you can expect Nick Phipps to get injured at any point. Um, and he's probably one of the most durable players in Australian yeah. rugby, so yeah. you kind of feel like it, it needs some AA. You need to step in or some sort of charity program to send one of these blokes across the force. Um. Or you know even to the to the Brumbies or Rebels even because um, as much as I've got time for Joe Powell and Nick Sturzacker and Ben Meehan, um, I reckon I reckon that there's probably three of the top four, three of the top four at the moment are sitting sitting for the Waratahs. So um, absolutely, it's a David Bethel, uh, isn't it? Yeah, well that's it. And the um, the other one I've had Reg, I'm a talking point out of out of this weekend's rounds, the form of the players that have come out of the Sevens program. Yeah, um, has has been really interesting to see because you've got Sam Fig who's been playing yep. um, for Country. You've got um, Tom Cusack's with Country as yep. well, and he's been playing pretty well. I've, I've been impressed yep. by Con Foley for oh, the Rays. Yeah, hasn't he looked sensational? Yeah, um, and um, there's a few others who've, who've uh, Michael Wells as well is another one. Although he's been uh, around 15s a little bit longer. Um, I haven't seen much of Cameron Clark, which is a bit of a shame. He's, he's uh, picked up an injury, but um, those three, especially Con Foley, Con Foley, and um, Sam Fig. Um, and there's a few others floating around that have been really good. Yeah, look, I agree. I think Fig's been fantastic, but Confoli's surprised me. I might say he and and you know he has the benefit of playing outside Simone. He's playing so damn well. But Foley had a great game versus uh, Brisbane City last weekend, but backed it up again. He's strong, hard runner. Really suits that 13 position. Um, set up a t- couple of tries for his outside men. So yeah, that's a great aspect, isn't it? It's really interesting to see. And I don't know what their plans are in terms of what Foley wants to do um, next year. Whether he wants to go around again for sevens or if he's pushing for a 15 spot somewhere. But um, no. Fantastic form. Um, Western City Rams. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. So the Western City Rams, are, who a team, and we've talked. We had Jeremy Paul on last week, so we'll call it the the, the gag a bump that got them um, up 
this week as well, but they um, they did a real number on the Melbourne Rising. So <laughs> Melbourne, who who uh, had a really good, they beat Melbourne beat the Vikings. So Canberra again the week before to to win the Horan Little uh, Shield. Uh, so they were hosting this week, and the Rams just and uh, all three games. So the first three games, the the Toowoomba game, the the Rays game, and then this game were played with the biggest wind I've seen in rugby. Um, and it really put a, an interesting dynamic on the game. So the, the Rams were playing against the wind uh, in this first half and ended up leading by, I don't know, 36 to, to maybe 18 or something in the first half. So a really impressive... And it was a ridiculous win too, wasn't it? It was, it was a probably a 20-point breeze. Yeah, easily. Um, and then they maintained momentum in the second half and, and went away for the win to, to win their first piece of silverware. Um the Horn Little Shield, but you know, again, these guys we've talked about, um, Tyrone Viega, the the number eight was sensational. But they, the, the replacement half, so Mitch Walton, uh, the fly half, and Waldo Wessels, the the scrum half, were just fantastic all over the place. But they had a really dominant pack in front of them, um, big guys who who carried the ball strongly and and defended well, and and got to sort of run awry. And then Paul Asquith, who's a Another guy with sevens experience sort of was freed up a little bit to play 12 and, and sort of really set the momentum. So, yeah, it was fantastic to see them. So it, it makes it really interesting this weekend, doesn't it, Hugh? So we've got the last round, um, this round of the NRC, um, and, and everyone except the two Queensland teams are still in contention. Even the Western Sydney Rams can, Even the can, Rams. Sneak, into the fa- can sneak into the finals. So, so they're hosting well, New South Wales country, yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's shaping up as a as a as a fantastic as a fantastic last couple of rounds and and look the Eagles what Queensland Country did to the Eagles shows even though the Eagles rested a few players that they can be beaten you know and and Queensland yep. Country I thought um, the form of Duncan Paoia was great yeah, in that game I yeah. thought, that was probably the best I've ever seen him play and and um, yeah and there's some talent in that team as well but. Um, you know, the Eagles and the Rays look like the two, you know, yep. as reflected on the table, the two form sides. But as we've seen in the last couple of years, Reg, the NRC, the final series, throws up some, some curveballs. I mean, I remember that first season where yeah. Melbourne, the Melbourne Rising, we looked home and hose, absolutely unstoppable, and they got rolled by the Perth Spirit in the, yeah. in the, in the semifinal. Um, so, look, it's still anyone's game. And, and if you can hit form in these last two or three weeks, then, um, then, you know, you can you can keep that rolling through the final series, and 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 home ground advantage I think means a huge deal. But um, yeah, it, it's it's again the quality's I think gone up a, a notch this year, Reg. Yeah. Maybe it's just okay. me watching more Sydney teams, um, and seeing them come good. But um, you you've got to say as much as Pete Playford probably bemoans their falling, taking the stars out yep. has given this competition a bit more of a freedom in terms of you know more talent in Sydney, and probably it's a lot closer across the board without having that team sitting down the bottom like the stars were, or certainly yeah, in the no. first year. No, you're exactly right. The talent uh, is spread better, and I think the coaching's been fantastic. Some really good coaches on board. Um, Simon Cron, obviously, um, Darren Coleman's still involved, and then uh, Muggleton and Paul out, out uh, west as well. But yeah, let's not forget the Perth Spirit, who had a, mass, a massive win against Brisbane City. Um, so they're still well and truly in contention. They're third now. So this weekend, the Rams are facing the, the Eagles uh, out at Concord Oval. So that'll be a whore and little game. 
Um, the the Vikings are hosting the Perth Spirit, so that's massive there. So, like I said, the Spirit are in third. I think the Vikings are sitting in fourth at the moment. They might even have slipped to fifth, but that'll be um, that's still a finals match, and the Spirit really need to win on the road there to secure their position. Um, the Rising themselves are hosting the Rays, so gosh, you know that's a that's a critical one for both teams as well. The, the Rising won't be happy after their loss to the Rams and. Now they've got to face the Rays, who, uh, who have it all in front of them. And then the last game, which really means nothing, is Brisbane City hosting Queensland Country at, uh, at Ballymore on Sunday afternoon. So it's the Andy Purcell Cup. But it's, um, uh, it's, it's by the by, it's nothing else is there. But a couple of interesting things there. So it is Pacific Island Round, the ARU and all the teams are out there promoting um, our, and I guess celebrating rugby's great link with the Pacific Island nations and all the different cultures uh, involved in Australian rugby and, and there are plenty from those regions so get out there and support that it'll be a really um, significant day lots of games I know uh, curtain raises down there at Concord Oval and Ballymall involving some of the local Pacific Island talent um, lots of uh, colour and movement culture and music and all that sort of stuff as well so that's great um, but the other little snippet and we'll, we'll break it here and it'll drop in the next couple of days is there will be a new trophy being announced this week by New South Wales Rugby, uh, once again in conjunction with Green and Gold Rugby, um, for the New South Wales clubs. Um, so the clubs themselves within the NRC have play, been playing off, and every game um, they get points as they would, like a conference, so to speak. Um, and this weekend, with those three games still in contention, particularly uh, the Rams versus Country Eagles, it's all up for this weekend as well. So not only will they be playing for the Horan Little, but they'll also be playing for this other trophy too, which I won't uh, I won't diverge the the name and in fact. Oh, the four I, it was that the, the Matt Rowley Cup. And the Matt Rowley, yeah. It's just a it's just a big set of jewels <laughs> honouring his contribution to New South Wales rugby. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah. In relentlessly, relentlessly <laughs> attacking the ARU and New South Wales Rugby Union for a period of decades. And getting to a couple of Norse games and one Rays game. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, that might wrap us up, guys. We've uh, reached the end of the show. We uh, appreciate your support again, once again. Hugh, uh, you're getting out to anything in NRC this weekend, or are you at least getting watched it on the uh, TV? I'll probably watch on the on the the TV or the web stream, but uh, yeah, everyone should be watching it. You know, at home, it's a it's no no footy codes anymore. It's a great week to to watch a bit of NRC, and it's fantastic rugby. So thoroughly recommend checking it out and uh, seeing some of these talented blokes that are going to come through and hopefully be wallabies uh, in the next you know in the in the in the short term and the long term. It's it, it, it's great rugby. It is indeed. Bobus, thanks for your time, mate. Enjoy your uh, stage in, in, in front of the microphone, not behind it, mate. Oh, beautiful, mate. It was brilliant. Everyone out there, have a great night. Hope, hope you're doing well. All right, cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. Now he gets it to Genia and Foley. Hooper! Michael Hooper. Hodge looking for his first test try. He lays it back. McMahon is there, and he will take a settler about four metres out. Now it's Foley, double round, Stephen Moore, head down, charging for the line. He's a metre short. Genia, quick hands, it's got Sio!